Hello and welcome back to another series of XY, a show about mental health in men. To kick off season two, I caught up with Johnny Benjamin, over Zoom, albeit given our current lockdown situation. I'll let Johnny talk for himself, but I think you'll agree his story is something pretty special. I really enjoyed catching up with him, and to be honest, he's the kind of guy that if I met in the pub, I'd 100% want to be pals with. And who knows, maybe one day when this is all over, we can meet up for a jolly good pint. Anyway, let's go on with the show. Mate, thank you so much for doing the show. Um, no, no problem. It's been, um, it's, you've been someone that we want to get on for ages, to be honest, and um, didn't really make it happen for Series 1, but um, when I was putting names together for Series 2, you were top of the bill. I was just really keen to have a chat, so thanks so much for your speedy response saying yes. No, not at all. The first, the first thing I'd like to dive into is just to hear you introduce yourself uh, and tell us a little bit about what you do. Sure. So, um, yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm My Johnny. Pleasure. Johnny Benjamin. Um, I am a, a mental health uh, sort of campaigner, I call myself. So mm-hmm. basically do loads of different stuff within mental health. Uh, um, I'm a writer and uh, a filmmaker as well and, uh, and a public speaker. Awesome. Awesome. And I guess um, that covers quite a lot of territory, like writing, publishing, producing, filmmaking. How did you how did you like get into this field? Like, where did it all start for you? Um, well, so I'm I'm 33 now. I guess it started for me in my mid 20s. Uh, I just well, I started making films. Actually, that's how I started. Uh, I was always really creative, and um, I actually, to be honest, I went to drama school. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. Um, well, it was <laughs> yeah, it was it was quite tough actually. They well, I kind of was a bit broken down after drama school. Um, yeah, I bet, mate. Yeah. I've heard but, it's a bit of like a, yeah, it's a tough one. Yeah, it's pretty intense. Like, all my other mates were doing, well, they were all doing different courses and their hours were just like very minimal, but my hours at drama school were like maximum, like really tough. Like, not yeah. it's not a student life, to be honest. Yeah. But, well, that's it, because like, I... Yeah, I've got some friends who went to drama school or um, did dance or whatever. And mm. my life as a student was like two hours a day mandatory classes and the rest you kind of just built what you wanted. But yeah, they were always rehearsing or training or doing whatever mm. what, whatever it is they do. So yeah, I can imagine it's a different student experience to one pound yeah. pints at the union. But, you know, no no regrets, I guess. No regrets. And, yeah. You know, but when I came out of drama school, uh, I didn't want to, I didn't want to do it. And I didn't know what I wanted to do for a few years. But then, yeah, I got into filmmaking and started making films. And that led me to um, producing and presenting um, a couple of documentaries uh, on, on mental health. Because mm-hmm. um, that's essentially what I wanted to make films about because of my own experience of mental health issues. Um, so, yeah, so I started filmmaking. And, yeah, that's what le- kind of led me into the whole world of, of, of mental health. It's pretty fascinating big world out there um you know in terms of like mental support and services and treatment and um, and that's kind of how you dived into the genre field I guess what would we call it yeah yeah say that yeah because yeah for you specifically though I think what was really interesting is when you go on your website really front and center you say that um at the age of 20 you were diagnosed with a schizoaffective disorder um I think as I said to you before I've never um come across that term before and I'm by no means a mental health practitioner or a professional, but 
I've been chatting to a lot of people and that's never come up. So I'd really love, um, I'd love to hear a bit about that experience if you don't mind me sharing, if you don't yeah. mind sharing. Uh, and yeah. also just explain what that is. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so schizoaffective disorder is like a combination of um, schizophrenia and bipolar, a like combination of the two sort of di- diagnoses. Diagnoses? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Diagnoses. Um, and so I was diagnosed when I was 20. Um, and I, like looking back, I mean, so I grew up having mental health issues from like an early age, from like really early. My parents took me to a child psychologist like when I was five. So, you know, really early on. Yeah. We knew that there was like, I don't know, something there. I was having unusual like visions and things. Um, uh, and I guess that's what schizophrenia is, is like, yeah, having um, unusual beliefs or uh, hearing things that aren't there or seeing things that aren't there. Um, and yeah, at the time I was diagnosed, I was like, I was really bad. Uh, I was, I was, I thought I was being possessed by the devil. Like, yeah. But looking back, I mean, um, I think a lot of it links to, I was struggling a lot with my, with my, with my sexuality and yeah. my, my religion. So uh, I come from a Jewish family and um, yeah, uh, come from a Jewish family. I'm gay. And just those two things just didn't really sort of marry up. And I struggled a lot with, well, both, both, I guess my sexuality and my religion and that, I think mm-hmm. uh, definitely, um, well, I, I think there's a link between that and then this devil that I thought kind yeah. of was in me because I was a bad person because I was, you know, struggling with my, sexuality so yeah uh it was it was not a good time um when i got that diagnosis no and that i guess like that makes it makes a lot of sense when you give the context to it because how could that not be quite a traumatic experience where you have like a core set of beliefs which are now being challenged by your internal monologue um and it's come up before in the show you know where especially um individuals from the lgbt community mm. um yeah, they, they do over-index with mental health conditions. And especially when it comes to male suicide, that is the most vulnerable group. Um, for exactly the kind of, like what you just described there does sound like a bit of a crucible for the problem as a whole. Um, yeah. So yeah. yeah for sure. For sure. Um, but, you know, no one sort of, well, at the time when you're diagnosed, you know, normally gives you that insight. You you kind of have to find it out for yourself. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's taken me years to like work through like lots of therapy and um, yeah, lots of therapy, lots of kind of um, self-development sort of work um, yeah. to try and understand. I mean, I'm in a, you know, I'm in a different place now because, yeah. well, because I've come to terms with my sexuality and my mental health and the way that my mind works. Um, but it took me a long time to get there for sure. As I know it does for a lot of people, yeah. you know, it does take a long time. I mean, I think that the crazy thing is that you strike me as such a genuine and um, humble individual, Johnny, but that I think that's one of my favourite things about talking to you, and I don't know you, uh, we've been chatting for like 10 minutes now, but you, you're an MBE, published author, public speaker, filmmaker, um, and you don't strike me as someone who kind of went into this for the street cred and the fame or anything like that. Like, It feels like you are making a genuine difference to people. Um, and and yet you you have become very influential within the field. 
Um, but speaking to you now, you just seem like such a genuine, um, humble guy. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't get that from you, um, which is super interesting. Well, I think, thank you. I mean, I think to be honest, I mean, because I work with a lot of people that have been affected by mental health issues and all of them, I think they all have the same sort of passion to make a change and to stop other people from going through what they went through, particularly mm-hmm. young people. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, you know, there is that stigma and that is that shame. And um, it's such a horrible, I mean, growing up, being a teenager, I think it's tough enough, but when you have <laughs> mental health issues, like on top of that, and you're having to, you know, it's not like, you know, think about young people in, in cancer, like the teenage cancer trust like you know it's, it's out there and and people talk about it people raise money for it and it's nothing to be ashamed of but yeah mental health or mental illness when you're growing up is still I mean it's getting better but it's still something that I've got a long way to go on and just I think anyone that's been there just and, and has come out the other side just does not want someone else to go through that yeah. you know there's so much passion in this I feel really lucky because yeah working in mental health you get to work with so many passionate people mm-hmm. um that all have lived experience that all just want to make that difference for someone else it's um i, I mean it's, it's sad yeah you know it's sad i guess that people have you know, through that. been through yeah but at the same time it's good that we've got so many people out there now it's like you know as we can see like in the last few years people are talking about mental health so much because they just don't want anyone else to go through it which is yeah I think that was very much like the the genesis of this show um very much started from I guess like the older I got and you talk about that whole quarter life crisis thing where I've fortunately I've never had a mental breakdown I've never had a moment where I felt like things had gotten really bad for me but the the older I got the more I started to kind of like feel uncertain about the future and feel anxiety and worry and concern and I'm fortunate that I feel empowered to talk to friends about that. I've never mm. felt like a concern about doing that. But I've got loads of guy mates who never would. And That's what right. I find was that by me speaking to them about how I felt and mm. expressing that vulnerability, then they started to open up, which is cool in mm. of itself. But also I was like, oh shit. So you actually feel yeah. like worse than me. Like now that you're talking, I'm like, fuck, you're going through something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was that combined with um, suicide just played a role in my life for like a few years running. It felt, it was almost like clockwork. I just felt like there was every year something happened. Um, and then that was, those kind of two truths for me um, were like, shit, we, we should probably talk about this more. Um, and it was exactly to your point that actually, um, I felt there was a need for a platform to discuss these things and break down um, that stigma. And I agree with you in many ways because I do think more people are talking. Um, but I guess it's a good question for you. There are more people talking. I think men do feel more empowered to share. But do you feel the problem's getting better? Do you think that we are um, moving in the right direction? Mm, yes and no. I mean, yeah, it's great that we're all talking more. Not not all, actually, because you know there are still a lot of people out there who won't. Like my my you talked about your male your male mates and like even you know no matter what I do or what I say still I've got a number of like guy guy friends that still will not open up and I know mm-hmm. they're struggling and um so it's all very well like people talking and you know like the government or like charities they're always saying you know talk 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 it, that's all very well but it's not enough. Um, it's yeah. not enough. 
you know there needs to be yeah. and also when people reach out for help you need you know, to listen yeah absolutely yeah you need to listen but sometimes the the sort of health professionals need to listen and, and they don't i know i'm being quite critical but um no yeah, i think, I think that's there's fair. a lot of changes a lot of changes that are needed still we have made progress but there's a lot of changes uh not just in society but in the sort of system in the healthcare system yeah um that yeah but you know yeah that things are moving forwards sorry no you're correct like i think that's kind of i I would love to have like had a chat where we're like yeah things are moving in the right direction so there's a positive tone there but i agree like i'm not always convinced that they are because i think that yes more it's it's easy to say okay more people are talking but actually maybe the same amount of people that were comfortable opening up is the same so the number of people is the same but just those people are getting more airtime so it feels like the problem is being addressed but actually well i was already talking so now you're just letting me talk to a wider audience but are we actually enabling people at home to talk and i think that's my point about listening is it's all good and well saying we need to give people a voice but if we then don't open our ears to what they have to say then like what what are we doing like what are we actually doing here exactly no it's so true and you know in the world that we live in often people just don't have the time they say they don't have the, well they don't have the time because mm-hmm. our lives are so full of so many different things um yeah we don't have the, the the time to i mean just giving someone that time and space just makes such a difference you know that's why like the different helplines yeah. tech services are just so great because um you know no one is if someone calls or texts and they are struggling there's no limit of oh you know time's up 20 minutes off you go you know they've just got yeah. time and someone is there to listen um and just vocalizing yeah. it i think that's one of those cliches that actually vocalizing something out loud um almost like gives re-empowers you and disables its power over you like I, i've definitely found that that if you let something spin about in your head it can yeah. feel it gets bigger and bigger blah 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 this is everybody well maybe not everybody does know this but then saying it out loud to someone you're like oh shit that doesn't really sound as scary or as bad as it did when it was like bouncing off the walls of my brain mm-hmm. it's so interesting isn't it yeah it's so interesting i guess they say you know the 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 saying is a problem shared is a problem halved and i know yeah. it's a bit cliche, but i know it's, it's true for me mm-hmm. you know you build things up in your head and you know, um, I know like when I'm talking to say my therapist about stuff and I get so embarrassed about certain things and he's like, just, it's fine. There's no need to be embarrassed. Um, yeah. And when I finally say them, you know, the world doesn't crumble. It's fine. You know, it's just, it's, it's so what we build up in our, in our heads and, and often what we build up in terms of bad things that are going to happen that don't happen. Like that's what I find. I'm always catastrophizing about, oh, this is going to go wrong and, oh, this person doesn't yeah. like me because uh, they haven't texted me for like a week. And then they'll, yeah, text me the next day and I'm like, oh. But I don't give myself, like, um, I don't say to myself, oh, yeah, see, there you go. Um, remember for next time, you know, things aren't always as bad yeah. as you think they're going to be. But I always go back to that pattern of... Yeah, because I think you know, that's the thing. Like, I saw him... Um... It was it was a friend posted. Remember when Spotify 2019 recaps were all over Instagram mm. and everybody was sharing theirs? My yeah. friend posted a meme that was like, um, me reading everyone else's. Oh my God, <laughs> shut the fuck up. No one cares. But when I post mine, it's like, people will care about mine because I am the protagonist of life. Like that's, 
like obviously every decision that is made revolves around me and the same yeah. thing applies to mental health where you think yeah. that every text yeah. you get every email you get is reflective yeah. of you so um but it's in the nicest way possible it's not yeah. about you and not and you individually but us we think every response and interaction we experience is because of something we've done or who we are um, yeah. but yeah you are yeah. right just reminding yourself like people don't go about their day thinking what would like what do i think of you like how will i treat you in this scenario yeah. like, you're not that big a deal like which is good you know i know I, uh, but you know it's the ego it's the ego the ego uh <laughs> the ego is quite a yeah. I mean, like, look at someone like Donald Trump. I mean, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> he just, he, he does think the world revolves around him and it's scary watching him and, yeah, um, mm-hmm. reading his tweets and just that that sense of um, being completely self-absorbed. It's all about him and, you know, I should have won the Nobel Peace Prize and um, I'm the best president ever and I can't do anything wrong and it's is scary it, when is it solop is it solipsistic solipsistic I can't um, I'm not going to claim to have known that word I heard it off of the Hilo so credit to the Hilo <laughs> they taught me that lovely word if I've got it right but I think it's because um, like okay. ego is something you can be conscious of I think oh, wow. so that you would know you have a big ego oh, wow. whereas solipsistic would be like oh, wow. you unconsciously think that the world revolves around you so it's you um, like it's everything that you do and say and feel is mm is measured in your brain as like it was because of me that this happened like every event and that's mm. if i've got the word right and i've got the definition right then that for me is donald trump to a t because i i genuinely mm. think he's got this unconscious thing of oh no obviously the world revolves around me because mm. of who i am um it's anyway so he's got enough yeah. air time on this show we're here to talk about you you're more important yeah. than him um uh. <laughs> um i think the the main thing that i want to get into in the show um was your hashtag find mike campaign um because that story is immensely emotional, um, but has a super happy ending to it. And I wondered if you'd be happy to share it with us. Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, I launched this campaign in 2014, uh, which I called Find Mike. This campaign was essentially, essentially to find the guy that, that stopped me from from taking my life when when I was in that bad place, when I was 20, um, when I was just diagnosed with with that form of schizophrenia um was put into a hospital and I, and I ran away from the hospital because because well I'd given up essentially um but when I ran away and I I ended up on the edge of this bridge um essentially this this young guy came along and he had this conversation with me just <laughs> he just stood next to me and just started talking and yeah, we had this uh, well, a life-changing conversation, mm-hmm. to be honest. Where he uh, just well, he was just so kind and compassionate and mm-hmm. and just very gentle. And you know, he gave me that time. You know, we said before about time. He really gave me his like. He was like, "I'm if I need to be here all day." it's fine just which i just hadn't experienced any sort of um uh action like that from another human being any yeah any interaction like that before it sounds it really, like it was really selfless absolutely absolutely yeah. he didn't need to stop no um but he did and he yeah he did and and and, and well essentially i mean the amazing thing is is that like he didn't have any 
training or anything. Do you know what I mean? Like people might think, oh, well, he's obviously got some sort of mental health background or training, but he didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, he was just hum- human, you know? It's um, funny that, isn't it? Like actually yeah. genuine human interaction, like yeah. genuinely listening to you. Yeah. That's amazing. For sure. For sure. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, essentially I think that was the very, like given up hope, as I said, I didn't want to live anymore. Yeah. But that was the very beginning of a new sort of start, having someone, because I guess, well, he believed in me. Like he was like, um, you can get through this. And he was just so positive and encouraging and just amazing. And so I, when I was in a better place, which was actually six years on, because, you know, I had to be in a better place to try and look for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I did the search, yeah, called Find Mike, but I got the name wrong. <laughs> uh i thought i don't know you know in my head i i thought his name was mike in my head um i don't know why (laughs) but uh yeah so i I launched the search called find mike yeah thinking that well if i to be honest so i i did it with a a charity which is called rethink uh, rethink mental illness and um i was an ambassador i was working for them and I basically told them my story one day and they were like, Oh, you, you should try and find this guy. And yeah, next thing we've launched this, this, this campaign. Um, I didn't think we'd find him though. Cause I just thought, you know, he could be anywhere in the world now. It's yeah. And even if, on. yeah, even if you don't find him, like the sentiment is still the same. Cause it's kind of, yeah, I guess like when I read about it, um, I didn't, I, I read it almost as if it was fiction because I didn't, when I read the story, I didn't know you found him. If you know what I mean? Like I just presumed oh. that. Yeah. Um, I, cause I knew you worked with who you work with, but obviously his name's mm. not Mike. Um, mm. But yeah, for me, it was more just like the sentiment of it was really nice that as a society, like, can we find Mike? Like people that listen and people that like yeah. genuinely take interest. Anyway, sorry. I, I no, digress. no, absolutely. It, it was amazing, the response actually. So that it took it took two weeks to find him and for, or for him to come forward. And, you know, during that time, we had the most amazing responses. Um, but yeah, just just... Well, we had a lot of people message us after seeing the campaign and saying I was also on, on a bridge and I got talked off or I was the one that talked someone off. Mm-hmm. Honestly, like these messages were just really, really unbelievable. Um, yeah, I d- none of us expected the response that we, we got. I mean, and then to obviously find him, like, <laughs> that, was, that was... That's mind-blowing. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, it's mind blowing. And then, and then, and then to actually like meet meet him, not just to know that he's around, but to actually meet him and sit down with him and you know talk to him. And uh, I mean, that being reunited was it was really emotional. It was really. Uh, I bet, mate. I bet. Yeah, it was really. I think because, for both of us, actually. Well, yeah, you've. Yeah, I, I mean, not to put words in your mouth or um, his mouth, but that is a life-changing experience. Mm. Like you, you have infinitely impacted each other in quite like a core human way. I mean, I, I don't think either of you will ever forget that moment. And even if you hadn't met, that's an experience which both of you would have held on to forever. So yeah, like I can imagine how emotional it must have been meeting this other person who's played such a massive role, even though they're a stranger. Um, because Mike is Neil, <laughs> as yeah. it turns out. yeah. <laughs> So Love yeah, this is, this is where it gets, it, it got a bit confusing because 
yeah <laughs> but we joke about it now like yeah I'm sure yeah you no know, it's it's kind of funny um, it's funny yeah yeah um but no i mean like it it was i mean he was just really humble like when i sat down to talk to him and it was all filmed because we were making this documentary whether yeah. we found him or not but yeah for him to be so humble and just really yeah just he was just like i didn't do anything and he obviously was like come on like you know um and then and then for him to be like well you know after we had that meeting where we were reunited he was like well what else can i do how else can i get involved because i think well like like you talked about earlier about suicide i mean um i think when well for him actually when he heard the statistic about about men killing themselves and, and it's one man every minute around the world uh-huh. kills himself and i think that that was like and also suicide being the biggest killer of young men in this in the in well in the uk yeah and he was like oh my gosh i, need, I didn't know that and i need to do something about this you know i need to which is how we started sort of working together and, and joining together and he was just so yeah motivated after hearing that and 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 because because it's it's a hidden killer, isn't it? It's a hidden well. Yeah, I've said it on the show a few times now, but it was for me the realization was like the biggest, the most dangerous thing to me is myself. Mm. Like I'm mm. way more likely to kill myself than I am mm. to die by any other eventuality. Mm. And the the mm. truthfulness, like that, has truthfulness to it. You know, like the the facts of that mm. are like terrifying. Because you're like, wait, no, but surely like I'm in control of that. So therefore like, I'll just decide to not kill myself, but that's, that's a misnomer. Clearly that is not how it works. So um, that reality is quite frightening. Um, and I think for you guys, obviously working together now on your organization, Beyond Shame, Beyond Stigma. Um, yes. I should just, I should have said this earlier, but actually we're changing the name. Oh, uh, wicked. What are you changing yeah. it to? Uh, well, that's the thing. So we're actually in the middle of, rebranding and renaming because the the name just was a bit too long and people get kept getting it the wrong way around stigma shame shame fine, stigma fine, 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 fine. so okay, we are well. rebranding but we are still at the moment we're beyond shame beyond stigma yeah. and we still got the same purpose to help young people but yeah we are gonna yeah rebrand um, and rename. i think that the the big thing there that i wanted to just if you could just share the details around how people can reach out is the crisis mm. messenger service that you have because i think that's super amazing and i'd love for mm. people at home to know um that that's available it is amazing do you know what like so basically this crisis messenger service came from the u.s and um i mean it was launched in the u.s a few years ago uh i guess well as a result of so many young people taking their own lives and um young people not wanting to pick up the phone and talk to someone um so instead they developed this text service instead yeah. and it just like it was huge it just took off and so the young royals uh bought it here uh and they launched it about a year ago and yeah so we joined forces and um it's amazing so it's 24 7 you just basically uh well with our one you just text the word beyond to 85258 yeah i hope i've got that right i just had a brain, had a brain. <laughs> it's on the it's on the website if people want to double check the number oh gosh i need to check um, eight five eight five two five eight yes that's correct yeah okay 
but no it's amazing so you just text the word beyond to 85258 and immediately you'll be met with someone on the other end who you know is just there to support and listen and help guide you through and i mean we know that young people in particular are using it like in schools in like going to the toilet when they're struggling and just texting someone oh, just to not not be alone and just you know and i i've i mean i've the the team at the text messenger service have showed me the responses like people messaging text messaging saying you know that conversation last night literally saved my life and it's it's really that's yeah, it's incredible it's really conflicted emotion because that's obviously amazing but really depressing at the same time like it's how you yeah because it's a it's a real shame that the scale of the problem is so hidden but it is just amazing that you guys are helping facilitate um, that solution for so many people. That sounded really like cold and um, technical, like facilitating that solution. But you, yeah, but you are yeah, you're supporting people like that is a really amazing thing. Um, I guess the last thing that I wanted to ask, um, if I could just hit you rapid fire, if you had to decide top Netflix show that you've been binging during lockdown or mm. Disney Plus or Amazon Prime or now TV, any of the things... Uh, so, um, do you know, there's a TV series, Kath and Kim? Yes, not watched it, but no of it. So, Kath and Kim is uh, an Australian comedy and, um... Fuck, I do know this! Do you know it? it. Have you seen it? Yeah. Do you like it? It's It's hysterical. Love it. Oh, yeah, yeah, good. So, I watched the whole, uh, I think they've got four series and they've also got a feature film, um, called Kath and Kim Dorella. Um, but yeah, I, I binge watched it on Netflix last, uh, a couple of weeks ago. And do you know, especially during this time, like the lockdown coronavirus, like that, that comedy is just so important. Yeah. Um, and you know, Catherine Kim is quite a ridiculous, silly. Thank you for bringing that comedy. back into my mind. Cause I'd completely oh. forgotten that show existed and I'm jumping straight back on it for anyone oh, who's not seen to. it. It's to. got a kind of Chris Lilly summer heights high vibe to it. <laughs> yeah. But then um, it's a bit weirder, and I would say funnier actually. Yeah, yeah. Good, yeah. good choice, Johnny. Big fan. What, what's your um, at the moment? Um, what am I binging? I've not really been binging a show as such. Obviously, back on Killing Eve because obviously, um, been working my way through Disney Plus. Been working my way through the old school Disney what? films. What, like what, like what? Oh man, we started at Frozen. We've done Tangled, um, Aladdin. Disney's got some like wild hidden gems on there because they own studios like that produce National Treasure and some kind of older actiony films like that. Okay. I've been playing a lot of Call of Duty. That's been my fix. Okay. Never been a gamer in my life. Picked up a controller a few weeks ago and um, oh. gotten pretty nerdy about it. Gotten, God, wow yeah totally i dial in with my friends on like a group chat and we talk strategy while we're playing it because uh, like what what while we're playing call of duty we'll have strategy no calls yeah we're we're those guys now i've turned into that person yeah, yeah. wow <laughs> yeah i'm like low-key really proud of myself for doing it even though it is really cool. embarrassing yeah <laughs> you'll be playing um you'll be playing fortnite have you played fortnite I've not played Fortnite yet. And for some reason in my head, I'm like, that's a different person. That's like an obsessed oh. gamer. Whereas me is sitting up at 11 o'clock <laughs> talking shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's brilliant. I love it. I love yeah, it. Yeah, it's good fun. Um, Johnny, man, thank you so much for the chat today. I really, really okay. appreciate you coming on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. 
Um, and yeah, stay safe, stay happy. Thanks so much, men. You've been listening to Johnny Benjamin on XY with me, Ewan Plater. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we will be back next week with a gentleman called Harry from a rowing team called Audacity. More to follow, but they're doing something pretty incredible that involves a lengthy journey across the Atlantic. See you then. <laughs>